When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. Hey, and I'm Ben Boland. Sorry about that. Oh, that's all right, man. We're, uh, we've got uh, a topic today that goes uh, a little beyond our highway system. Yeah, it's pretty far out. Oh, man. <laughs> You just died to use that, weren't you? I did. I, I did. I, I kind of saw the grin. I thought you're going to come up with some kind of pun here, but uh, yeah, this one is uh, this one's really far out, Ben. Yes. Really far out, like uh, millions and millions of miles away. Yes, we are talking about a little something called the Mars Science Laboratory, more specifically the Mars Curiosity rover. Mm-hmm. So the rover, uh, the rover didn't make it there on its own, is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yes, precisely. So how did this all work? I guess what what. Uh, how, how did the, the rover actually make it to the planet Mars? Great question. Let's, uh, let's start by looking at the parts of what they call the laboratory. Fair enough. Uh, it's got four parts. Now, we know the rover is one part. In addition, it's got a cruise stage. This is where it's going through the outer space area, right? And mm-hmm. then it's got an aero shell, which is a, a back shell and a heat shield to sort of protect this craft mm-hmm. while it's descending. Uh, it's got a descent stage as well. Now, this cruise stage, what they call uh, this cruise stage, is looks kind of like a donut, and it's really wide. It's got 10 radiators around the perimeter, and so this sits over a cone on the back shell uh, that the, this cone holds a parachute, right? And one surface of the cruise stage attaches to what they call the launch vehicle. And we'll we'll get to that because, you know, people who listen to this show have probably already watched some really cool footage of how the vehicle lands. So we don't want to talk too much about that. Yeah, because there's some really cool animations mm-hmm. that show exactly what was going on. You can actually watch video of what happened, really. Yeah. You yeah. can see you can see the actual thing itself landing on the surface, but um, the animations just really bring it home. It shows you exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, this, uh, this cruise ship, uh, excuse me, this cruise stage is mostly made of aluminum. Now, it also has some propulsion to keep the spacecraft's spin rate constant, to adjust its orientation, and to assist with trajectory. So it's got 
eight thrusters. It's getting them to Mars uh, because... In a way, you know what I was thinking, Scott? In a way, this is the most difficult parking job in history. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad way to put it, really. I mean, I have a hard time parallel parking if I'm in an RV or something. <laughs> in an RV? Oh, my gosh, that would be hard in an RV. Only tried it twice. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, successful both times, I hope. More or less. <laughs> Thank you. You're so more, kind. More or less. Uh, let's call it I was I was successful so, 1.5 times. So this is <laughs> very good. This I tell you, Ben, this is this is really this gets really complex quickly. Yeah, so um, let's the, keep it high yeah, level. Yeah, right? we'll try to keep it high level because there's a lot of information out there. Mm-hmm. You can dig as deep into certain parts of this as you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll tell you some of the general characteristics and features of this whole thing, the rover. But um, if you want to dig deeper, there's there's a ton of information out there. There, there. I mean, everybody's talking about it right now. So yeah. this is a good opportunity for you to, to go out and do some searches for yourself. Let me fast forward through those next two stages sure. and get to the part we, we really want to talk about. So we mentioned the aeroshell. Mm-hmm. Now, the aeroshell. Uh, it contains the rover and the, what they call the descent stage, and this is to protect these components from any sort of friction with Mars's atmosphere, which, as you imagine, penetrating an atmosphere generates friction. Probably quite a bit of heat. Quite a bit of heat, yeah. too. Uh, so this diameter of the heat shield, it's almost 15 feet wide. That's, that's uh, four and a half meters. That's pretty big. Yeah, and for comparison, NASA notes that the Apollo capsules had uh, heat shields that were four meters. Okay. So it's a little bit larger than that. Mm-hmm. Now, this aeroshell uh, is a little bit different from any other mission because it has a steering capacity. And when you see all of the steps that it takes to shoot something from Earth to Mars – and safely land it, uh, then, it, you know, of course, you want to have that sort of steering capacity. When it gets to what they call the descent stage, this is just a few minutes before it actually touches down on Mars. It uses rockets to decelerate the entire package, and it has two different bands of telecommunications um, to keep the lines of communication open. Mm -hmm. And we're often going to see this as we talk about the rover. We're often going to see redundancy. Mm -hmm. We're often going to see redundancy. Um, You know, I I know. (laughs) Very nice. I kid, I kid. But uh, (laughs) this this is because there's literally no way to fix it if something goes wrong. Yeah, and we saw that with uh, the previous uh, Mars rover, didn't we? Yes, sir. Because this is not the first time that we've been to Mars. There's actually, in fact... Four times we've, uh-huh. we've sent sur- surface rovers to Mars in, in about, what, about two decades, I'm guessing? That's about yeah, the, uh, so we had Spirit, Opportunity. Uh, what you're was better thing? at this than me. I what don't know. No, I just uh, I just, I found that amazing that we've already been there. Four, this is our fourth attempt, really, at this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, this one, i, I got to tell you, Ben, it's early on in the in the game, but this one looks very successful. Yeah. Now, it's it's, it's a NASA project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been working with, uh, or the, the NASA's been working with Boeing. I said we've been, like I'm part of it, right? Hey, I think um, if we're humans, <laughs> we count as part of it. NASA's been working with Boeing, with Lockheed Martin, and mm-hmm. another um, contractor named McDonald Detweiler. And, um, again, fourth attempt at this, and, and it looks like it's going swimmingly. <laughs> yes, once, the, uh, once this uh, descent stage is a few minutes away from, from the surface of Mars and it's slowing the descent of the actual rover, there, there's, there was a really tricky moment that occurred when the rover touches down and has to separate itself from the descent stage. Mm-hmm. Thing. So imagine 
if you would, that you are a Martian. Just imagine how freaked out you are <laughs> when you see this thing drop down yeah. in the, probably the loudest noise you've ever heard, and then the uh, the bolts that attach the rover to the descent stage separate, and then descent stage sort of takes off like a UFO or something. Um, I guess to a Martian, it literally would be a UFO. Well, Ben, I don't know about Martians, but I, I'm sure that in the NASA control room, I, I don't think anybody was breathing at that point. I bet no. everybody was holding their breath mm-hmm. for several minutes. I mean, even though it sounds physically impossible, I'm sure they were because uh, that was a critical point right there. I mean, if, if mm-hmm. something goes wrong there, all is for naught. Yes, and luckily it went Perfectly. Yeah, that's right. And this is not just something that just happened overnight either. This this took a long time. This has been yeah. in the works for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you know, prior to the launch date, there was a lot going. On. I don't know how long they worked on this rover exactly. Maybe you have the, the stats there, but um, the the mission itself, from you know the launch date till the Mars landing, we're mm-hmm. talking about eight months, Ben. And it's not now. This this was something that kind of caught my eye. I, I wondered about this just for about a minute, and then I figured it out. Okay. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you know how far away is the sun from the Earth? Oh, uh, wow. Um, let's see. Well, if you're taking 20, <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? Uh, okay, I'm going to guess. Isn't it? I think it's 92 million miles, or is it 94 million miles? Something like that. Okay. Um, 92 or 94. I can't remember which. Our science people will tell us that I'm way <laughs> off. But uh, the the mission itself, this this thing has traveled 352 million miles in order to be on Mars. Wow. Now, that's because, of course, you know, the planet's rotating around the sun and, you know, it's got to track it. It's got to, it's got to chase it down, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's traveling a long, long way, 352 million miles in eight months to get there. Um, I don't know. It, it, it just struck me as odd that it would be that far of a journey. Yes. And let's while we're, while we're here, while we're playing with numbers, let's talk about some of the stats of the actual rover, of yeah. Curiosity itself. Yeah, because there's some, there's some cool stuff here. It's 10 feet long, 3 mm-hmm. meters long, right? Yeah. And it is, what would you say? About 9 feet wide, yeah. 7 feet tall. Now, that's tall. I was thinking I was thinking this thing is built like a box, really. Right, um, right. You know, 10, but... I'm trying to think. Like, I guess it's not going to be doing any high-speed turns or anything, so it's not going to have to worry about tipping over. Yeah, no I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that it's weighted. I'm sure that it's, you know, that's a concern, a huge concern is tipping this thing over, right? Right, yeah, um, so the weight distribution is key. Oh, yeah, definitely. But And I, and I know it's heavy. Yeah. Um weighs about 2,000 pounds, so for its size, it's relatively heavy. heavy. It's it's well-packed in that 10-foot uh, by 9-foot by 7-foot cube. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There's a there's a lot going on in there too. I think we should uh, should mention this. Yeah. Um, it's it's nuclear powered. That's mm-hmm. one thing that stands out about this thing. It's a radioisotope thermoelectric generator, or RTG, is what they call it, uh, and that produces electricity, which comes from the decay of plutonium two thirty eight. Um, so that's how that's how this thing gets power. Mm-hmm. Um, as you can imagine. It's got a lot of thermal protection, you know, to keep all this stuff uh, running correctly. And the, the thing is, Ben, boy, this is something. The the temperatures on the surface of Mars, yeah, where right where this thing happens to be, and, and I guess we should mention where it is. It's right near the Gale Crater, yes. which is near the equator of Mars. And its ultimate goal is to get to a place on, on the surface called Mount Sharp, which is not very far away from where it is. And we'll talk about that, too. Cause yeah, that blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it doesn't have a long way to go, but we'll we'll get mm-hmm. there. Um, but the the, uh, the thing about the thermal protection is that the, the surface temperatures, they vary so greatly. I mean, it can be anywhere from um, 86 degrees Fahrenheit 
Which, which is, sounds pretty cool. Yeah, toasty, toasty, that, but cool. That's not bad, right? Um, all the way down to negative 197 degrees Fahrenheit. A so little bit colder. A dramatic <laughs> swing in temperatures there. And um, you know, it's got about 200 feet of tubing within this thing to heat and cool uh, you know, using some type of fluid. Um keep all these onboard operating systems running cool or running hot or you know i think most of the time it's going to be actually warming the rover yeah um, because most of the time it's going to be experiencing cold temperatures mm-hmm. versus hot temperatures if you use paper you're a human but if you choose paper you're a papertarian someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day seriously It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So um, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of computers on board. Yes. Um, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, again, dig into that and find out what you want because, I mean, I could we could go on and on for hours about what exactly these computer systems do. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do uh, just a quick mention of two things. Uh, there are two computers. Well, as we mentioned earlier, there is a – I don't want to call it, call it a plethora because, as everyone knows, a plethora is when you have so much of something that it's bad. Overabundance. There is an overabundance. How about that? That's a little more fair of uh, components in this vehicle. As we look at the cameras, we're going to see that there are almost always pairs of cameras. Yes, stereoscopic, uh, right? Right. And the the computers there, the main computers, are redundant as well. There's an A and B pair, and 
they're sort of operating the way that a dolphin's brain operates while it's asleep. You know, like when a dolphin is sleeping, one half of its brain is experiencing what we would consider sleep, and the other half is active. The other half is saying, go up and breathe now. Yeah, right, right. Go up and breathe now. Watch for that shark. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, actually, I'd probably say wake up at that point. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So literally, while the rover is operating, one of these computers, A or B, is going to be on, and the other one is going to be in cold storage. Or yeah, it's going to be on hold. It's going to be kept in a cold backup state. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, you mentioned cameras. There, yeah, a total of get this, man, seventeen cameras on board this thing. Now, I think they've got just about every angle covered on this. And we mentioned mm-hmm. stereoscopic. So we're getting, right now, we're getting basically 3D images from this thing. So that's kind of neat. I, I was looking at uh, some printouts here of stuff. And, you know, mm-hmm. it has the uh, the old red and blue stereoscopic image look. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to find a pair of those glasses laying around the office. I'm sure we have some. We have to. Uh, I, I know we do. We have so um, much stuff here. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of stuff. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure that we could look at some of these 3D images in actual 3D, but mm-hmm. again, stereo- stereoscopic, a little bit different. But, and there um, are different types of cameras. Can we please get to the thre- the treads, the wheels yes. at this point? Because I'm 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 excited about this. This okay. is, the the wheels may be to to me personally, Ben. Now, oh, you know what? I I, I do digress. We need to go back to the cameras for just one second. Okay. One thing that caught my caught my eye, and then I'll talk about wheels. I promise. One thing that caught my eye is that they're calling these cameras hazard avoidance cameras. Yes. And that's because they're scanning the surface in order to be able to uh, to determine, well, we better not try to climb over that or we better you know, try to go Rocks, around that. obstacles. Yeah, scramble over that somehow. So I, I found that unique in that, that that's kind of the tie-in with you know, some of the, the safety systems that we've been seeing in automo- automobiles recently. Yes. Um, accident avoidance cameras. Good point. So, um, but, you know, ours... You know, down here on Earth, I guess, are, are the ones that are thinking quickly and determining, you know, whether I need to brake or, mm-hmm. or somehow slow the speed down. Uh, real quick anyway, about those cameras. Loose, loose tie-in. It has four pairs of what they call the hazard ca- hazard avoidance cameras or mm-hmm. HASCAMs for the cool kids <laughs> at NASA. Uh, yeah. Two redundant pairs on the front and two redundant pairs at the rear. This rover can go backwards as well as forwards. So How we do have, they do it? Better? We have a reverse. How do they come up with creative names like HASCAMs? Very carefully. Yeah, Everything yeah. about this is very carefully done. Each Hascam has a fisheye lens that gives it 124 degrees width and height view. Uh, the depth of focus goes from like four inches to infinity. Really? And I'm reading directly from NASA's press yeah. release on that one. You know what's cool about this is that they've got this all covered so that they're they're constantly, and I promise we're going to get to the wheels because that's my favorite <laughs> part, but okay. um, they're constantly looking around this thing and and... They're really, really being careful about it. They don't want it to tip over. Mm-hmm. They don't want to, you know, try to climb something that's a little bit too steep and have it, you know, flip over backwards on its back or something. Because then it's like a turtle, right? Right. There, it's on, you know, uh, incapable of moving. Um, it, it's really interesting how they've got all these angles covered and everybody is carefully, carefully watching. But they've also got what this also provides them with is outstanding views of the surface. Yes. I mean, unprecedented. Unprecedented. Really. Unbelievable views of, of the surface. So, uh, you know, watch for some of these great shots to come out soon. I know right now we've just got some early on stuff, and you know, eh, I'll, I'll be honest, so so. <laughs> I, 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 right now, it, it's kind of bleak looking. 
But uh, I think I think as time goes on, we're gonna we're gonna be wowed by some of this. You know, it's kind of pleasant not to see a place uh, filled with McDonald's and Starbucks. Frankly, yeah, that's right. Just just uh, bits of uh, you know the the uh, the landing system, the the crane, and the the parachute and all that junk. Yeah, it's a place to be alone with your thoughts. That's all laying around on the surface now. All right, man. You have. I am sorry that you have had to sit no, through the rest no, of no. this for us to get to the wheels. Oh, the wheels are so cool on this thing. I think that this is something that you know you, you got to kind of look at it. You got to you got to mm-hmm. check out the wheels for yourself. But the interesting thing about the wheels is they're like this tread pattern, right? Yeah. And they can't really – they don't really gauge it by miles per hour traveled or anything like that. You know, there's no there's no speedometer hooked up. Yeah, it doesn't really work in this situation. They use the pattern of the wheels to determine – and then they, they, they film it or they, they have uh, the video camera pointed towards it. And they, they count how many tread mm-hmm. uh, yeah. patterns, I guess, they've made in the, the silty surface of, the, of, the, of Mars. And – one of the interesting things about this is there's a company that uh, that helped develop these these wheels, and the company's uh, na- initials were JPL. I guess mm-hmm. based on you know this this company that helped develop these things, the the pattern in the wheels is Morse code for JPL. How cool is that? <laughs> so like as it as it's driving across the surface, mm-hmm. it's repeating itself in Morse code on the surface of Mars. JPL, JPL, JPL in Morse code. Someone eventually is going to see that and know what that means. You know, what's funny is that when when you say someone's going to see it and know what it means, I think that is optimistic. I hope that's the case. I could easily see... uh, I could easily see the first manned space mission to Mars taking so long that they've forgotten <laughs> about curiosity and it becomes like some crazy crackpot story uh-huh. where someone goes, have you seen the JPL Morse code on Mars? <laughs> It'll be like a lost thing, yeah, like, oh, a, like a mystery that's never really answered. Oh, and by the way, uh, the third, um, not in chron- chronology, but the Mars rover that we forgot to name or that I missed, mm-hmm. Sojourner. Oh, that's right. Okay. So right. Uh, we've um, got we've got that out there. And and there's six of these wheels. Oh yes, yeah, and they're all are. independently steered and operated, mm-hmm. and they can mm-hmm. they can swivel, they can do everything. But that, in its own sense, makes it a little bit dangerous. And that you know you got to make sure that every wheel is pointed the right way and headed the right direction at the right, right time. Right. Now, Ben, I remember I said that they don't they don't really measure anything in miles per hour traveled or anything yes. like that. It's not like you know when the uh, the astronauts got on the uh, on the uh, the lunar rover mm-hmm. and they're driving around on the surface and they're jumping and they're you know <laughs> right, there's, right. there's debris Catching flying behind air. them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not like that. Get this. This is over two years. This is gonna this mission is gonna take two years, right? Guess how far they're going to travel in two years. Um, let's see. Two years is a long time. Two years is a heck of a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Uh, let's go with oh, wait, one 50 more clue. miles. Oh, okay. I was going to give you another clue. They're on this crater now. They're trying to get to this Mount Sharp, right? Yeah. Mount Sharp is not that far away. 12 miles is what they intend to travel oh, yeah. in two years. Now, that's only a distance of about 660 feet per day. So it's a relatively short distance every day that they travel. Again, extremely slow, extremely cautious in the way that they're traveling. But they're trying to get to the base of this Mount Sharp. And the idea is that um, I think they had some images from uh, you know past missions to Mars where they determined that at the base of Mount Sharp, it looked like there were remnants of um, past water. That's what they called it, past uh, water. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, you know, some... some Indicators, some landmarks that indicate that you know there may have been water on the surface, and that's what they're trying to get to because uh, that's one of the main goals of this whole thing is to determine if if there was and when there may have been 
uh, water on the surface. And I think there, there are a couple of other goals here, too. Uh, they want to you know, find out if there, there's these general basic building blocks of life. Right. Um, and they kind of want to determine the, the atmospheric evolution process of Mars. So they want to find out. And there's more to it than that. There's <laughs> several other goals, I'm sure. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the things that they're doing when they're, when they're picking up rocks and they're chiseling away at them, which they can do with this thing, which is cool, and yeah. watch it happening. Um, and they, they sift through the, the soil and, you know, they, they gather things. It's just it's really neat how they can they can watch everything happen and it, it's almost like um it, in fact it's very similar to the way they operate the deep sea rovers yeah the one, and i think they call them rovers uh the submersibles that, mm-hmm. that scout around old wrecks also unmanned also unmanned yeah and uh but not tethered you know mm-hmm. this one is not tethered by any means you no, can have a, no, not a 352 mi- uh, million mile tether um if you want to do it this way I want to do uh, a couple things before we get out of here. Sure. I want to read a laundry list mm-hmm. of uh, the equipment. Uh, the Mars rover right now, Curiosity, has more than 160 pounds of purely scientific equipment. Oh. So this includes, but is not limited to, because I want to subject everyone to the whole list, a tunable laser spectrometer, and this will look for organic carbon-containing compounds and determine the ratio of key isotopes. These are vital to unlocking Mars' atmospheric and uh, aquatic past. It goes back to your earlier aquatic point. Aquatic past, okay. Right? Uh, a, dy- a dynamic albedo of neutrons. Uh, this instrument can detect hydrogen, so this could also potentially show us if there was ice or water trapped in minerals. And then there's a uh, environmental monitoring station. This reads the temperature, humidity, mm-hmm. atmospheric pressure. There's also, uh, let's see, we mentioned those cameras. Uh, they, the primary camera, they've got a, a mast camera. This is about, about where uh, an average height human mm-hmm. eye line would be. Uh, so this is, I don't know if it's really fair to call it the master camera, but this it's like the eyes of the it's rover. kind of like did that. you see do you happen to see when they landed and it was covered with uh, it was covered with dust it was yes. covered with material yeah and then they blasted it with air i believe uh-huh um or something they blasted it with something and cleared off the lens but the dramatic difference in in that and i think just to just to think that through mm-hmm. that how are we going to clean these lenses you know if we need to i, I, I think I that love was a, NASA. very well thought out yeah i mean come on it, can you imagine how embarrassing it would be to to spend this much money to get a vehicle onto Mars, dude, and, and then have a dirty windshield? You know, and Ben, I think that they said something that you know th- this landing really was untested, relatively. I mean, they they knew kind of what to expect, right? In a general sense, mm-hmm. but how do you test something like that? I don't think that they were able to actually go through a dry run of of how this thing was actually going to land. Uh, mm-hmm. So there were some tense moments there at the end, I think. You know, when we mentioned that, you know, when it separates itself from the heat shield and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, these pieces are, are falling all around it. You'll see uh, some images of, of what's remaining on the surface, and there's a few things that, you know, some some debris now, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the arm, the crane arm that was there, the uh, the parachute with all the, the tethers involved, you know, that could easily be entang- – it could easily get entangled in that. Yeah, um, the heat shield. That's another thing that could take this whole thing out. So, right. um, yeah, there's there's some debris there, but then you'll see like something where it shows all the debris, and then where the rover itself is, mm. and then maybe where it's trying to get to. And I'm actually kind of glad that we waited till after it successfully landed to yeah. do this by yeah, us. What a you bummer know, it would have been. And it's cool; they can kind of watch this thing from above too. And I, yeah. I saw some images, and I was thinking like, how do, how do they show this? But you know, there's there's um, there there ships orbiting 
Mars watching all this happen. Mm-hmm. And I think they said that they were like, uh, I want to say just ballpark 200 miles above the surface. I think it's like 180 something miles above. So they're able to watch from above what's going on as well, which is, again, another interesting aspect of this. They've got it covered from all angles. I'm going to sound maybe a little bit pretentious. And I apologize if I do, but the the level of mastery, and even if you want to be honest, artistry about this sort of endeavor mm-hmm. is is up there with uh, Beethoven's Fifth and stuff. This is one of the best things people have done, in yeah. my opinion. Well, you know what? It just gets it seems to get better and better and better. Oh, one last thing. Remember what we mentioned earlier? I made the joke about manned Mars missions, right? Yes. And maybe they wouldn't know why JPL was on the surface. Yeah. Well, some people might say, hey, that's a dumb joke, Ben. And that's a fair point, guys. I'm sorry. But some other people might say, I'm kind of already on Mars in a way. What do you mean? Silicon chips mounted onto Curiosity's deck bear the names of people who submitted their names for going to Mars aboard the rover. What? Right. So, so my- wait, their, name, their names are on the rover? Yeah. So there's like a, each chip has about the size of a dime. Uh, more than 1.24 million names were submitted. They've been etched into silicon using an electron beam machine. Uh, and this is one of the same things uh, that's used to create devices in NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Uh, and so... In addition, more than 20,000 visitors to locations of work on the rover at JPL or at the Kennedy Space Center wrote their names on pages that have been scanned and reproduced on a microscopic scale on another chip. So we may not have actual living human beings on there, uh, but we do have their names. And how, how, how amazing to be part of history in that way, even if it's a small part. I stopped listening when you said electron beam machine. Yeah, I've been using that a lot. I need to figure a speech. I need to get one. You deserve one. What would we do with that? We would uh, make what? what, You know what? What micro devices? What wouldn't we do? That's a better question. (laughs) (laughs) If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet, and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you know what? Yeah. I I, I think, you know, I I think we've covered this as much as we can without going extremely deep into each of these these segments. You know, like we can. I I love the wheels on this thing. I'll tell you that. You know, just take a look at those. (laughs) Take a look at the, uh, the you know the propulsion device. This mm-hmm. uh, the, what do we call it? A uh, thermoelectric generator. Yeah, check that out. That's really cool. Oh, check out um, at sarcastic. I think it's at sarcastic rover uh, on Twitter. <laughs> it's a it's a novelty account, which is just I like it already. A bunch of short statements, you know, by the finger quotes rover. Oh, that's cool. That's but cool. Uh, um, yeah, we have a lot of stuff here. I, we have a great article on the website. Oh, really? Okay, cool. That's, uh, uh, how the how the Curiosity Rover works. Very good. I, I, there's just there's so much to cover on this thing. I feel like maybe later we could go into the propulsion unit, or maybe later we mm-hmm. could go into just you know show just about the wheel system. Yeah, just about the uh, tether arm. Each of these uh, really has enough content to be its own episode. I, I think so. I definitely think so. So there's a lot there's a lot to learn out there. Take a look. It's really early in the mission right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's gonna be a lot of you know a lot of forthcoming information in the next two years I would think. I'm sure it'll slow down after a while, but there's still gonna be daily gathering all this information. It's just gonna be happening in the background mm-hmm. at some point. Uh, right now it's kind of forefront in everybody's mind. So we're getting a lot of information right now. Maybe towards the end when they get towards that uh, that Mount Sharp we're gonna find mm-hmm. out some more stuff. So um, you know, keep your eyes and ears open on this one. Yeah, it's going six miles a year, but there's still going to be a lot of stuff happening. <laughs> six miles a year, that's right. Uh, so here's something that's been on the forefront of my mind. Mm. It's something completely different. Yeah. If you recall, mi amigo, way, way back in the days of yore, uh, um, I guess a few weeks ago, uh, you had a couple of stuff Scott sees. Yes, I did. Uh as a representative of the listeners, I was presented with a choice, a one or two. Yes. I chose two because I thought that was edgy. You did choose two. Yes, I, you did. And now I've been thinking about this. I have not seen what you have seen. Yeah. But is that post-it with a number one on there in any way related to it this? It is, and it's a. Uh, it's got two sheets attached to it here. Um, I will hand you number one. Don't turn it over yet. Okay. Uh, this is the second part of the uh, Stuff Scott season. I couldn't decide which one we wanted to do. I think the first one we did was that car with the 30-inch wheels. Yes, yeah, which <laughs> is some, you on know Facebook. I'm going to say wildly popular on Facebook because it seemed like everybody had something to say about it, good or bad. Uh huh. That's true. I, I That's will true. Uh, give it the wildly popular designation. But okay. uh, this one, I think I'll also post the images because these are photos that I took with my cell phone. Okay. Um, not the highest quality, but this is an unusual vehicle, Ben. Highly unusual vehicle, I, and I figured I'd just share it with everybody because I had never seen one before. So take a look at your picture here, and okay. uh, folks at home, play along with the uh, Facebook page because I'll post it on the day this this uh, this broadcast. 
All right, and could we have a uh, drum roll, please, for our producer, Casey? And here we are. Whoa, ben, what is this? What you're looking at is a... <laughs> This is a 1962 Jeep FC 170. Wow, that is a Jeep. That is, would is, you ever guess really? that? Now no. it looks like a uh, it looks like a work truck. Oh, I could guess it from the front. It, when you look at the front, grill. it has the the very very uh, uh, I mean I guess standout or uh, what I want to say um, typical yeah. Jeep front end with the seven slot grill yeah. and the round headlights and you know the the usual Jeep shape. Um, but this looks like a work truck. It looks like to me it looks like one of the old Mac. Um, um, semis really. Yeah, but uh, very flat windshield, very flat yeah. front cab front design, cab forward design. I guess the cab is so modular. But though. it has okay. I'm I'm looking at this, and you're going to see this on Facebook. But there's a pickup truck bed on the back of this thing, and it goes way back. That tr- pickup truck bed. I'm not doing it justice with my photos here. That is about a ten foot bed. It's long by itself. Just the bed. It, huh? The bed alone. It's a really long uh, bed on that thing. The whole front cab part from the bed forward lifts up like a like a semi truck would, you know, like the old oh, like the old design yeah. semi trucks for engine access. Exactly, yeah, and it's very uh, very Spartan inside, very very uh, not much to it. No frills. No frills at all. Um, definitely work truck inside. Um, this one happens to be equipped with a, a V eight engine. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't run at the time. I, I found it on this is the side of the road. I was traveling up in uh, like northern Alpharetta or something like that, maybe in Cumming, Georgia. And it was on the side of the road. I, I turned around and came back. It's got smaller wheels on it than normally it would have. It would have it normally would have bigger um, off road type tires. Yeah. I don't know why they did this, but uh, they've convert they've done a lot of custom work to this one. Now um, is the scale tricking me here? Is this bed uh, low, or is it just that the vehicle is tall? No, the vehicle's relatively tall. It's shorter than it usually would be because of the smaller wheels that are on this thing. Uh, it's okay. got more like um, like standard truck tires on it now, uh-huh. um, which are still big. When right. I'm standing, you know, if you look at this picture, I can look through the win- through the uh, the side window, uh, but I'm nowhere near the top of the thing. Oh, okay, I see, I see. Um, okay. So if, with bigger wheels, it wouldn't fit in a standard garage, I don't think. Ah, um, okay. It might this way. I'm gonna I'm gonna post uh, one or two images of this. The the front image, I think that's the coolest looking thing. The uh, the front yeah. image of this. They've it's got for a, sale. It's for sale. Ten thousand dollars is what they're asking for this thing. Again, it's a 1962 Jeep FC 170. Mm-hmm. Doesn't run, Ben. I ah. went back. Uh, I went actually driving the same way last weekend. Stopped by to see it again because it was still out there, and they wrote, uh, does not run. It looks in such great condition it, from the outside. It really does, and they're asking for trades. Um, it's a cool-looking car. And I, I just it's so unusual that I thought, you know, some people might get a kick out of seeing this. I, I've never seen one of these. And if I have, I guess I just didn't realize it was a Jeep. This is the first time seeing it. When I saw the side view, I almost wondered if it was an aftermarket mod. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a Jeep product, but the, the, the engine is aftermarket uh, okay. because... At the back of this one, and I don't know if I have an image of this or not, but um, someone has just applied a decal to the back gate that has a Chevrolet symbol with the word Jeep written inside of it because it has <laughs> it now has a Chevy V8 engine, uh-huh. but it's still a Jeep vehicle, so that's their little play on you know. I'll it allow is. it. So, I think that's good. So it's a Chevy symbol with a Jeep in the in you know written in the back of it. But um, the front image of this thing, I think, is the coolest looking image. It's a it's a neat vehicle. It'd, it'd be fun to have. Yes. It's, it almost looks like it should be a dump truck, but it's not. 
I think it would be really fun just to uh, drive around and hang out. You would run the tailgates, my friend, the tailgating parties. <laughs> yeah, I think so. This is a, it's just a cool car, and I, I thought uh, you know so unusual that you know share it with mm-hmm. our listeners. Yes, we uh, we also have uh, loads of other weird car stuff around the office that we can share. Definitely, uh, we might not spoil the surprise yet, but everybody should stay tuned for us with that. And we are about to get out of here. We have gone to Mars and back to 1962. Yeah. Uh, we hope that you guys enjoyed this. Uh, some of our fellow podcasters have some great information about the latest Mars mission, and we would recommend you check them out. We also have our article on the website how the rover works uh you can send us a uh facebook message you can send us a tweet uh you can send us an old-fashioned letter we'd love to get that our address is 3350 peachtree road is it road or street scott i think it's road road uh suite 5 1500 atlanta georgia 30326 uh and if you want to send us an email, preferably with a picture of a strange car you found, or some art, or an anecdote, or a suggestion for an upcoming topic, we'll totally give you our email address. It's carstuff at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.